Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and we have a very special guest with us today. He's a fantasy expert who consistently finishes among the top teams in the Global League, and his channel, Pot Pan Man F1, is the most watched F1 fantasy content on all of YouTube. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a really, you know, exciting opportunity, new experience for me having uh, to come on the show. So yeah, really looking forward to having a good discussion about uh, uh, Singapore coming up. Excellent. Rob will be back with us next week, but we've got Tom for the whole week, including today's show and also our live pre-qualifying lineup lock show. So we'll be giving all the details for that as the week goes on, but we'll be seeing Tom again later this week. Let's go through the overview of what we're going to talk about on the show today. We're going to break down a very action-packed Monza race, and then we'll talk about our respective teams. Tom had a very different build than Rob and I, so I'm looking forward to see how that planned out for him. Then we're going to talk about the top storylines for Singapore this week. As always, we'll review the FanApp picks of the week and set you up for those picks in the FanApp app. And then our all-important lineup choices heading into Singapore. And before we go, we have a very special announcement from our new sponsor and a great giveaway too. All right. Let's kick things off with Ferrari. And Tom, you really hit the nail on the head with the right strategy this past week. You used a limitless chip and it really paid dividends for mm. you. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I sort of um denied quite extensively over using this chip um, through the week, right in the build up until the actual deadline itself. And the more and more I thought about it, the more I saw from practice sessions and everything, the more it just felt right even though it wasn't a sprint race it just felt right because the Aston Martins and McLarens who have been competing for that sort of P2 um, in terms of constructor position um, just didn't quite look on the pace and Ferrari certainly suited the Monza track um, the Monza track suited Ferrari and it just seemed like a good opportunity to to pile in on some expensive assets pack them in and yeah it, it did certainly pay off gained about probably 70 or 80 points on the on the average template i would say so yeah pretty decent return pretty happy with that it's a really fantastic result you know signs led the way with 38 points thanks to his driver of the day finish it's the most he scored yeah. all season and this is really one of those rare circumstances where the two most expensive constructors and five out of the six most expensive drivers were in fact the highest performing so a really, really great result for anybody who went with a limitless chip. For those that saw the show last week, Rob and I, we got some cold feet at the end. We didn't use limitless this week. So we're probably holding until a sprint race, either at Qatar yeah. or at Coda later this season. Hopefully we can catch some of those points back up. Yeah, I think that's probably the most sensible. If you've still got your your limitless chip, then I think definitely targeting a sprint race. Like I've been, I had the intention to target a sprint race the whole throughout the whole season. You know, you have to be kind of flexible at times. And it, like I say, it just felt right and it paid off. Obviously, it could still pay off even bigger um, come a sprint race if the likes of Mercedes or Ferrari are looking particularly strong around Qatar or Brazil or whichever sprint race you want to pick. Um, it could, could even do better than Monza, but I'm still pretty, pretty chuffed with the, the Monza result for sure. Absolutely. And another driver that had a great race around Monza was Alex Albon. And... He qualified P6, finished P7, and this is his third straight race with 10 or more fantasy points. Really great result from Alex for those of us that didn't play the limitless chip, trying to find points where we can. 
And this is also the seventh straight race his value has increased. So a really strong run of form from Alex. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been kind of sat on Alex Albon, um, apart from Monza, obviously, because of the limitless use. Uh, but I've kind of been sitting on Alex Albon in, on my team for a good few weeks now. Just the first couple of, you know, since that, um, I think it was Canada when they, was it Canada when they first got their sort of big upgrade package? And he had that really amazing performance, got driver of the day. Um, ever since then, he's pretty much been in my team, uh, bar maybe one or two races, just because I've, I've noticed his his value just keeps going going up like pretty much regardless of how he does um it's just shooting up like pretty much half a million each time and it's been a really good sort of budget builder for me on top of the fact he's actually been performing well in terms of actual qualifying and race position overtakes even um so yeah really really solid um however um not not entirely sure he's going to be the right pick for, for singapore but i don't know when you want to discuss that <laughs> And well, I question about his price rises because the limitless chip reverts back to your previous team before the price changes. Mm -hmm. Did you get a piece of that last Albon price increase? Yeah, yeah, I went back to my original team. There was a lot of debate I saw on on various discords and Twitter and all that sort of thing about everyone. Lots of people like subbing in um, people they think were going to rise because they thought they were going to get those um, those price changes and then use a limitless chip, but that wasn't the case. All that, hap all that happened was those people ended up burning a, a transfer for the Singapore race um, and they didn't get those price changes. It literally goes back way back to like your original team um, that you had at the end of the last race. So yeah, I was sat on, um, like I say, Alex Albon from Danvor. So I, you know, even though he wasn't in my Monza team, I still picked up that half a million rise from him doing well in Monza. That's terrific. I had another limitless question for you too. So if you don't do what you just said a minute ago, those, those folks that tried to get those <laughs> price increases to make double moves, if you just went straight into the limitless, does it then assume you didn't make any transfers and then you get three moving forward? Or does it roll over what no, you had? I actually, I actually had three, three transfers um, from Zanfor, which I could have used going into Monza. And then I used Limitless and coming out of Monza, I'm actually back down to just two free transfers. Oh. So it's actually taken away my third transfer, which is kind of interesting. Um, I guess using the chip kind of resets your, your amount of free transfers, which I, I didn't really think too much about, but thinking back on it is maybe slightly surprising. But yeah, I actually ended up going from free, three free transfers down to two after using the chip. So maybe something to bear in mind for anyone else that's got chips left to use it. Um, that could be a factor if you, yeah. you, know, you are thinking you might need that third substitute going into the following race after you use the chip. I'm glad I asked because that's not what I would have expected too. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, no, I was quite looking forward to having my my three subs uh, going into going into Singapore, thinking I might need all three of them. It does. It, to be honest, when I look at my team, um, it does slightly restrict um, what I can do because I don't. I really don't want to take any minus fours, even though minus four in the grand scheme of things isn't that big a deal when we're scoring like two, 300 points or whatever, four points from that is a, quite small, but you know, you don't want to be taking negative points where you can help it. So yeah, having just two free, three, uh, two free transfers this week is, you know, is what it is, but I would prefer the three. <laughs> Absolutely. And as we talk about the number four drivers here, Albon's an example of a strong race at Monza, but they're not all number four drivers performed well. Lance Stroll's one of those examples, and mm -hmm. he really just got off to a rough start for the weekend. 
Drugovich filled in in the car for FP1 as the, the rookie substitute. Then he had the fuel issue in FP2. He barely ran FP2. And then he just never quite seemed right after that. And his in a P16 finish in the race, he really just seemed to never have faith in that car. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a trend we've seen over recent races from Lance Stroll. And to be completely honest, even at the beginning of the season, when the Aston Martin was pretty clearly the second best car, Stroll still didn't quite reach the potential of the car. We saw Fernando Alonso just getting podium after podium after podium. And even back then, Lance Stroll was still... You know, if he finishes sort of P6, P7, then you think it's a good race for him. Um, so the fact that he's kind of st- still on that downwards trajectory since Aston Martin themselves have taken a bit of a nosedive uh, isn't very surprising. And I can see why his ownership has dropped. I think he was sort of hovering around the, the low 30% ownership and he's down to sort of low 20% roughly, I think, last time I checked. So, yeah, I think a lot of engaged managers have really just jumped ship um, over the last few races. And, um yeah, and it's another reason why I'm also kind of leaning away from the Aston Martin as a constructor as well, because despite Fernando Alonso, you know, driving phenomenally well throughout the season, regardless of the car's abilities, um, I, Lance Stroll is definitely a weakness in that Aston Martin constructor. Um, when you compare it to a similarly priced asset like McLaren, it makes sense to go for McLaren, even though they cost slightly more, just because... I trust the likes of Norris and Piastri far more than I would Stroll, despite Fernando Alonso sort of pulling, pulling Stroll up by <laughs> by the jock strap, so to speak. I agree. For those that settled into the old meta lineup in the first half of the season, Rob calls these folks zombie teams that just haven't changed their lineup yeah. in a month or two. They might be stuck with Stroll and the Aston Martin constructor, but clearly the game has evolved when you have Piastri and Albon in a similar price range, really making bigger strides. Over the last five races, Lance has scored 40 points in the game, whereas Albon in the same period scored 64. So clearly those mm-hmm. of us that are keeping track of the trends between these these similarly priced drivers can take advantage of those gains. Yeah, and like I said, although I've just kind of down-talked picking Aston Martin as constructor, I do still think that they should still be on our radar because they probably will still have a couple of good races here and there. And particularly Singapore, in theory, should be a good track for them. So although Stroll, as you know, as the slide says, Stroll struggles again, there I, I do imagine there should be at least one or two races where he does pick up pick up the performance and get some some good fantasy points. And yeah, it certainly shouldn't be completely, you know, we shouldn't just forget about Aston Martin because of Stroll. They should still be an option, but I think McLaren are ahead of them in my thinking at the moment. Excellent. And we can transition now from the number four driver to our typical budget driver review. And once again, it's Liam Lawson at the top of the budget driver list. It wasn't the prettiest budget driver result. He only had five points, but everyone else really disappointed. It was his teammate, Yuki Sonoda, didn't even make it to the first lap. He went out in the formation lap with the engine issues. You had Joe and Sargent that, that managed three points between them. So another great race for Liam Lawson. Yeah, certainly very much uh, impressed me um, since he's come in replacing the injured Danny Ricardo. And I expect we should see him for, well, we're definitely going to see him for Singapore and likely Japan from what I understand. Um, there's no set date on when Ricardo is going to return at the moment and even now, like the rumor mill has begun that Liam Lawson may be getting a permanent seat in 2024. 
Um, they might even be dropping Yuki Tsunoda, all this sort of thing. So that that's kind of goes to show exactly how much Liam Lawson's really impressed. Even um, the media are getting caught up in in his success over the last couple of races. He's he looks like an assured guy. He looks like um, someone that can come in and and do the job, which a lot of rookies, you know, they struggle with. And he's coming in the middle of the season, particularly coming in on that Zanfort race, which was a super difficult race for any experienced driver to to tackle. Um, to come in as your first Formula One race and to put in a great performance. I think it was at like 19, was it 19 fancy points um, from Lawson in Zambor. Um, yeah, certainly very impressive. And um, he would very much be on my radar going into Singapore if it was pretty much any other track other than Singapore, because I think Singapore is just a whole nother kettle of fish again, um, physically demanding and you know, when things get physically physically demanding, things get mentally <laughs> demanding as well. Um, and I don't know, I, f I feel like edging towards more experienced drivers around Singapore might just be a better avenue because I am slightly worried about people with lack of experience um, going around this technical, tricky, tricky track with the, the walls close in. So, yeah, although I do think that Liam Lawson looks like a really great option, just five million. Um, I feel like I might be holding off potentially uh, for Singapore. <laughs> he certainly worries me too. It's going to be a very interesting, maybe a wet race as well. So we'll see which budget driver tops this list when we meet in this space again next week. Yep. Let's take a look at how our teams fared. For those who saw the show last week, Rob and I ran the same team. So on the left, you'll see basically both his team and mine. It was a pretty standard non-limitless team with Fernando, Alex, and Joe taking it safe. We avoided the negative points from Yuki. We both went up in the global rankings. Again, this is seven straight weeks for my team moving up in the global ranks, but not nearly as much movement as Tom on the right. Tom, can you walk us through just some of the some of the findings from your team and what that meant for your global standing? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I think... A part of it's just because I've been obviously engaged in, in the game. And like you say, these zombie teams are kind of getting left behind a little bit. Um, but my my global rankings have been kind of steadily climbing since sort of the midpoint of the season. Um, and I think before Monza, I was in the 30,000s or something. And, you know, just using the Limitless chip has jumped me up from around 30,000 into the top 3,000. So it's quite a, a massive jump for... Like I said earlier, I think I gained roughly 70 or 80 points. In fact, you can you can see that on the screen. Like your guys were fairly template at 251 points. And the Limitless team scored 3-3-3. So yeah, gaining roughly 80 points on on what most other engaged managers would be running is what's really shot me up the rankings. And as much as it's nice to to be there at the moment, I know there's quite a few people out there still with chips remaining, like yourself, still have that limitless chip in your pocket. So I'm going to be doing my best to hold on to this rank and improve it if I can with a couple couple of chips left still in the bank. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the current standing um, with just a few races left. Um, we'll see if we can see if we can continue this run of form, keep those uh, blue arrows or whatever they are. I think they're blue arrows when they show up on on the league rankings. Um, yeah, keep them keep them coming. Try and climb climb ever higher into the fabled top thousand if I can. <laughs> And the future is definitely bright for Tom's team too, because if I read correctly, you still have your 3X chip, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I pretty much have regret for not using it all the way back in Austria because I was so close to pulling the trigger and then I got cold feet at the last minute. 
because I was like, ah, although it looks pretty clear, it's a great time to use it. I just thought I want to hold off for a max of snap and grid penalty. And, you know, because we've seen the power of how many fancy points can be scored when these guys like Perez and Verstappen get grid penalties. They start towards the back. They get overtakes. They get positions gained. They likely get sort of drive of the day. They get such a massive haul of points. And I was thinking if I can get like a grid penalty coincide that with a sprint race, um, maybe I can get an even bigger jump. And that may still be the case. But yeah, I do still have some amount of regret not using it back in Austria. Just, you know, kind of a safe um, bank of points, which is, to be honest, how I normally play fancy and that's how I've approached it over recent seasons so some amount of regret from breaking away from how I normally play but still having it in my pocket this season with being in the top 3k as long as I can avoid a very unfortunate Verstappen DNF then um, yeah it should gain me another good chunk of points hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely I think your ceiling's gonna be very high with that 3x chip still in hand and I had the pleasure of interviewing the top team in the global league after yeah. Monza last week. Very interesting. Very similar outcome to to what Tom's showing here. And if anybody wants to to go through Luke's process of how he ascended the global league rankings, what were some of the tough decisions he made? Um, he actually made a final fix decision trackside at Monaco that was really impactful to his team this year. So I highly recommend you check it out on F1FantasyHQ.com. Yeah, like I say, I read I read that um, article myself. It's a very interesting interview. And a couple of the points that he made was like, yeah, I kind of wish I'd done that. Like the point you bring up about uh, switching to Ocon, he final fix to Ocon uh, Monaco, I believe, reading your interview. And yeah, for when I, I also used my final fix at Monaco and I foolishly went for Carlos Sainz instead. Um, so yeah, definitely a little bit of a points differential there. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting read. So if you anyone watching this hasn't already read it, go check it out. It's a good read. Thanks, Tom. All right, let's talk about this weekend's race at Marina Bay. It's going to be a very, very interesting weekend for us because this is a track notorious for DNFs. It led the entire calendar last year with six, and there was there were eight retirements at this race in 2017, and it seems like it comes from a variety of issues. Usually there's some sort of accident. Last year it was Latifi and Joe coming together. Then you have traditionally a couple of cars that are breaking down either because of the high temperatures tire failure because there's a lot of wear on them and then usually one or two drivers that are having a, a single car accident a runoff like what happened with albon last year so a lot of ways for cars to retire early at this track yeah yes which um when when we get onto the slide when you see my um team that i'm kind of looking at at the moment you'll see why i might be a little bit nervous because um if there's a DNF, then it's gonna it's gonna hit my team quite hard when you like double up on drivers and constructors. Um, so yeah, I do think that the likes of the no negative chip should certainly be on on people's radars if you still have that luxury. I sadly do not have that luxury, but if I had my no negative chip, I would be strongly thinking about using it this week because, as you say, multiple DNFs pretty much every season. I do believe that every I want to say every single race that there has been. In F1 at Singapore, there has been a safety car. Um, so I anticipate um, definitely some some collisions, some engine failures, who knows, tire punches with the high temperatures, who knows what, what could happen. It could be a bit of everything. We could, you know, have a complete surprise and everything's fine and there's no DNFs, but I just don't see that happening. Um, I do think there's a high chance of at least sort of, I don't know, I'm just sort of speculating three or four sort of DNFs, that sort of thing. Very easy to collide with the wall, 
Um, yeah, so I think basically what I'm getting at is if you've got no negative chip, it's, it could well be a good good time to use it. Do you have the no negative chip in your pocket, Adam? I do, and I am probably 90% certain I'm using it this weekend. And this is just yeah, one of those races I circled on the calendar back in March to keep my eye on. I said, if I see any rain mm-hmm. in the forecast, certain number of rookie drivers on the grid, I'm going to drop the no negative. And I think that's where I'm leaning for this weekend too. But I want to get your opinion, Tom, on autopilot, because I consider autopilot to be a buffer in case something happens to Max. Max has never won at this track. And every yeah. now and then fluky things happen to him here. So we see the number of DNFs in 2017. He was sandwiched between the two Ferraris, and they all ended up DNFing in 2017. Last year in Q3, he was running low on fuel doing his last uh, his last push lap. So we had to abort, qualified low, never quite established himself in the race because he was behind a few drivers that retired. So it might not be automatic that Max is P1. Could autopilot work this week? It's certainly been something I've been thinking about, mainly because I don't have the no negative. I do think the no negative would still be my preference if I had a choice. Um, <clears throat> and I've certainly considered autopilot, although I'm currently currently leaning away from it. But you know, it's you know, swings and roundabouts, new new information comes out, and you change your mind all the time until the actual deadline hits. But it's certainly something that I've considered, and I'm still considering to some extent. Um, but there's kind of two ways you can look at autopilot, I guess. You can look at it, as you say, kind of like a safety belt. Um, if you think there's danger that Max Verstappen might not finish, he hasn't had a great record here. He's not won here before. Um, so if you want to use it as a safety belt, then it could be a good chance. But I also think that there's potentially more upside um, further down the line of picking using autopilot on, on a sprint race when you can get... <clears throat> um change your team around potentially using the wild card as well to get in uh drivers you think are more likely to win for example maybe in brazil um, which also has is susceptible to rain and collisions quite a tight track that sort of thing so there could also be some dnf um factors in there i think was it last year um was it, i can't remember if it was last year or year before now but um verstappen and hamilton were having some sort of collision um just i think it was last year if i remember correctly but either way um yeah some, brazil kind of strikes me as a track where autopilot could be good if you have this up in your team maybe you can uh, wedge in someone else like hamilton um and then put the autopilot on potentially it could be points there but yeah it kind of depends how you, how you view it do you want to use it as a safety belt or do you want to use it as something to propel you on on a sprint race um i'm still kind of in two minds about it and i'm currently leaning away from using it this weekend but you know, the fact that the no negative looks so appealing makes me also think maybe autopilot is kind of the, the next best option as well. So I'm very much still undecided, but I think holding for a sprint race could be more beneficial and just hope that Verstappen is okay. Because let's face it, Verstappen and Red Bull have just been so incredibly consistent all season long. Um, I feel like nothing, nothing can stop them. Um, so... Yeah, maybe maybe the autopilot chip is just going to gain everyone zero points because Verstappen's just always going to get the, the most points, and autopilot will just be for nothing. But yeah, um, those are kind of my my thoughts on it at the moment. That's exactly what happened to me. So I use my autopilot back in Baku, thinking street circuit. Checo has a good history here. Maybe I can sneak that movement over to him at a race where people are expecting Verstappen. Nope, Verstappen scored the most. Got nothing out of the autopilot chip. So truth in advertising, I don't have that option this weekend. So. I'm glad I asked mm. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
And so oh, as we look at which drivers could benefit from this street circuit, I wanted to highlight McLaren and particularly Oscar Piastri. We've been oscillating back and forth between high speed and high downforce courses. We're back to a situation of high downforce. There's 19 turns on this track, a lot of, um, you know, potentially some rain in the forecast for this weekend. And I think these, these conditions suit McLaren. What do you think? Yep, I agree. Which is when you, well, like I say, when you see my team, you're going to see a lot of orange in it. <laughs> um, yeah, as you can see, you've got the big red um, sort of no sign over Alex Albon there on the slide. Um, as much as I think Alex Albon's a great driver, he's in great form. I think he's still kind of like a safe pick. He should, you know, we, we're kind of looking towards safe, reliable drivers when it comes to um, a track like Singapore, Singapore, especially when there's potentially rain in the air. Um, so I do think that some people will just stick with Albon because he seems to con con constantly gain value and he's just a reliable driver. However, in terms of actual car performance, um, I do think Piastri in a very sort of similar kind of price bracket, although slight slightly dearer than Albon, um, I do think Piastri would be the favourite if that's the decision for a lot of people this week. Um, Piastri, of course, though, also not driven around here. Um, but... Piastri, uh, just in general, just impresses me um, the more and more I see of him. Uh, um, he just strikes me as like a really mature head on young shoulders and someone that I've put faith in since sort of around, well, Silverstone is when I first put him in when he had that phenomenal uh, phenomenal qualifying and really good race. And he's pretty much stuck in my team, I think, pretty much the rest of the, the, rest of the season so far. So yeah, I think Piastri is likely to be in my team this week. Um, despite him being a rookie around Singapore, which does make me nervous, which is why I wish I had no negative chip, just to sort of um, uh, back me up on that um, in case he does DNF. Um, but yeah, I do think Piastri is definitely a good, good option in that kind of price bracket. And I think, like I say, McLaren should be well suited today. And I do also believe I've seen a few things uh, on Twitter and that saying that McLaren are bringing in yet another upgrade. I don't know if you've read anything about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I was reading about it earlier, saying that McLaren are bringing another upgrade. I don't know how true this is, and like I said, I don't know how much you've you've seen of this yourself. Um, but if that's true, it's it's supposed to be this upgrade potentially like new side a new side pod and and floor, which can also help them in the slow corners, of which there are obviously a lot around Singapore. If that if these are, rumors are true that I'm seeing on Twitter, then even more reason to back the the McLaren boys this weekend. <laughs> I did hear that rumor too, but I will caveat, you and I are probably in the same echo chamber of news, so maybe we saw it from the same source. Yeah, I probably. know they've been, teasing, they've been teasing for weeks that the last piece of the upgrade package that's made yeah. them the rocket ship that they are today is coming soon. It'll be interesting to see when we see it. And yeah. when it comes to the, the rookies, I totally agree with the, the inference you made. I think Piastri is the most mature of the rookies like I, I when you think about early career Yuki Tsunoda and some of the mistakes he was making I think Piastri mm -hmm. has done a good job of staying clear of some of those things yeah there was that that little incident in Monza just the other week wasn't there where he sort of made contact with his teammate there was a little bit of heated discussion about that I believe amongst the McLaren boys but in general though Piastri is just he looks like he's been driving an F1 for several years not not this is not his first season obviously he's had experience in the the sort of lower categories and like f2 and everything um but yeah out of all the the newbies on the on the grid this this season piastri certainly impressed me the most 
And for anybody who was wondering about Alex Albon, I was considering him for this week. And then I read this quote after Monza. He said, we needed that Monza result because I don't think the next few races are not really going to stand a chance until Vegas. So Albon's already written himself off for the next two or three races. Yeah. So that that's enough to to worry me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we know the Williams is its main strength is that straight line speed and there's not going to be a lot of straights going around Singapore, despite the, the track change, which we're going to discuss. But I do think that in general, the Williams is not going to be well suited uh, to Singapore. And um, I will likely be subbing him out, although there is a there is one team build, um, which I can discuss when we get on team selection, um, which I can which I am half considering dependent on practice sessions, obviously. Um, but yeah, I do think in general we'll see Alex Albon drop out of a few of the engaged managers teams this week. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, and that's actually a great segue into the last piece of preparing for Singapore, and that's these track changes. So. This course used to have 23 turns, which is the most turns anywhere on the Formula One calendar, but there's some development in that area. They've taken out four of the turns, and in Sector 3, you now have a bit of a straight. This was the track that had the third fewest overtakes in 2022, so there's a little bit of hope that overtake monsters like Sonoda and Joe can benefit from it, but this is a track that is historically not very generous with the overtakes. Yeah, I do think that the the track changes will generate maybe one or two extra overtakes. I don't think it's going to have a dramatic impact, to be honest. And I'm not even sure. I don't know if you know if there's actually a DRS zone down that straight. Do you know if there's a DRS zone? I'm not sure. I don't there think is. there is because no, I didn't see one down that straight. So it would yeah, just so be... if, there's, if there's no DRS, then I feel like it's not gonna not gonna in, increase in the number of overtakes very much, to be honest. Um, so I think the likes of Joe and Sonoda that you've got on there, probably not going to gain much out of the track changes, to be honest. From my, my point of view, you may, may think differently. But I think when, when I'm looking at the, the budget driver, if, if I'm going for a budget driver option this week, uh, all I want is for them to avoid a DNF, basically. That's, that's what I care about. As we saw last time out, you, we've, we mentioned Lawson already high scoring with five points. If, I, if my budget driver this week gets five points, I'll take it and and just run, run, to, run off to Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, for sure. And I'm keeping an eye on Sonoda as well. He had that engine failure in the formation lap last week. I haven't heard yet what engine parts or if any engine parts needed to be replaced no. to get him back on the grid. Is he at a deficit? Could it trigger an engine penalty? Could it give him a performance advantage? These are the little bits and pieces I'm thinking about heading into this weekend. Yeah. Maybe there's some some edge to Yuki here. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I haven't heard anything as yet. I'm sure news will come out over the next couple of days. Um, but if there is a grid penalty, then that's kind of great for us, the way fantasy works at the moment, because if, you know, if he starts further back, then just opens up the opportunity for positions gained when cars ahead of him DNF. So if there is the penalty, I'm not, not too fussed about that at all, to be honest. Um, also, there's more talk about uh, AlphaTauri also bringing upgrades, some, some Red Bull style upgrades like everyone everyone seems to be doing nowadays but um yeah alvatore apparently brings more upgrades so again could get some more decent performance out of it and Sonoda, despite a dnf here last year has has got some experience uh whereas you know other budget options like like sergeant don't have experience around here um so i do think that Sonoda is someone that i could trust more in that slot um 
this weekend. Agreed. Let's move on to chat about the weather. And th this seems to be a recurring theme that every week we're looking out to see how much rain we're going to get, when the uh, rain's going to come. <laughs> it looks like there is some weather in the forecast for the weekend. And right now, it's slated to fall during the day, whereas this is a nighttime race. So you may not see rain on track during the events that matter. But this is going to be a very strange series of events here because during the day, you're going to see temperatures you see here, 33C, low 90s Fahrenheit for things like FP1 and FP3 that are earlier in the day. I wonder if those are going to be as informative as they usually are because it's not going to be real race conditions. Can we gleam a lot from it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose we'll be looking more towards FP2. I don't know the exact timing of FP2, but uh, I'd imagine it correlates more to uh, when we're going to see the likes of qualifying and, and sprint race. Um, but I still think it's important. We'll still, we'll still get a good idea. I, I always say that the practice sessions are very important, but they're not, they don't tell us everything. Um, teams hold things back. They have run different fuel, um, different engine, engine modes and that. So, the, you know, the practice session times don't tell the whole story regardless of what the weather's doing and what the track temperatures are doing. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd still be cl paying close attention to the practice times regardless of the time of the day that they occur and definitely be keeping an eye on the weather as well. Although, like you say, I don't think looking at the weather forecast just before uh, coming on to record this, um, the most recent thing, like you say, it doesn't look like the rain is going to affect the race on Sunday at the moment, but obviously things change quickly. So I need to keep an eye on that. And obviously any no negative chip users this week can probably be doing rain dances because in a way you kind of want your, your guys to DNF. So it, it, you you don't get stuck with the minus 20 and everyone else does so yeah um for me the weather is not not even really a surprise it's like you say it seems like every every week there's threat of rain um i think mons is the first dry dry race for quite quite a while we've had isn't it so um yeah i think i think like i say the practice sessions um as always are useful but i wouldn't read um everything into them if you come to our live stream on Saturday, Tom might be able to convince me to do a rain dance if I drop the no negative <laughs> chip, because I, I will definitely be pulling for some rain on Sunday. <laughs> Let's move on yeah. now to the fan amp picks of the week. This, Tom, is something we do every show just to, to set up this really great program we have in the app. There are some questions to predict outcomes in qualifying and in the Grand Prix. Whoever scores the most points is eligible for some great prizes. Let me get some opinions on you. So which rookie has the best qualifying result, in your opinion? Um, it's got to be Piastri, right? <laughs> it's got to be Piastri, especially if they're looking as strong as we're kind of guessing they're going to be. Um, I, yeah, I think Piastri, kind of hands down, um, is going to win this one out of the other, the other contenders. Um, Sergeant, I just really don't trust. And I know there's a lot of people chatting about... Um, Sergeant putting in their teams like a lot of people are saying I've seen on Twitter saying I can afford like the triple red ball triple McLaren but I have to have Sergeant and if that was if that was me um I'd be very nervous about putting Sergeant in my team um in terms of what's going to happen in the race but also in terms of qualifying I just don't see him doing particularly well and Lawson like I say he's been impressive but I still think my money would be on Piastri <laughs> same I think this is going to be one of the easier qualifying questions we've had in a while I'm going with Piastri too and you teased this in the last question. How many drivers do you think will DNF? 
Yeah, like I say, it was it was pu it's pure speculation at the moment. Um, but we do know that there is a lot of DNFs, lots of safety cars around here every time we come here. Um, so if if the options are what's on the screen, four or more, one to three or none, I think the most sensible would probably be I don't know. It's kind of tight actually. I, I would probably guess three or four to be honest. So it's kind of hard to to judge. Um, I'll be bold and say four or more because historically that's what's going on that's what that's what happens around here <laughs> i'm going to say four or more as well we agree again i it historically you just get a combination of everything that leads to a dnf accidents with multiple drivers runoffs where there's just no forgiveness and you hit a wall this is the time of the year where you have car failures plus the heat the humidity the high temperature in the tires i think just a number of things are going to afflict drivers so i think there'll be four or more as well yep all right, let's talk about our lineups for this week. So for me, I haven't committed to the chip yet, but you should expect in my lineup lock on Saturday for me to profess my use of the no negative. Sticking with a very similar lineup from last week, Perez in his 250th Grand Prix start will stay in my team. He won this race last year. Alonso, if he makes it halfway through the race, it'll be 100,000 kilometers raced in his F1 career. I like Fernando, not because Aston Martin's really shown me anything lately, but if it's wet, if this track induces errors, Fernando's a, a safe bet for me. So then with the rest, just covering as much McLaren exposure as possible. And I'm hopeful that Yuki in a perhaps upgraded Alpha Tauri with some new engine parts could be the budget driver for me. Yeah, I mean, Looking at it, we've got a pretty similar team, to be honest. The only real difference there is is uh, Alonso versus Norris, isn't it? And when I, you know, I sent this um, my team over to you guys, uh, what was it yesterday or whenever it was, I was like very much set on the the triple Red Bull, triple McLaren. I am still like leading. That's still my preferred lineup at the moment. But I have thought more about Fernando Alonso and the fact he's won here a couple of times. He doesn't mind a wet race. He's just so so experienced. You can really really trust him um despite a dnf here last year although i think that was more engine engine related um was it last year i, I keep getting mixed up with the, with the years but yeah i do think that fernando alonso is definitely on my mind because like i say aston martin should be strong around here um but because i can afford to triple up on mclaren and i also anticipate mclaren to do well then i think it might be a good time to do it because i can only afford this team with uh, i think it's like 0.3 or something in the bank um, so if I don't go for it now, um, I might be locked out of it going forward in the next race. However, of course, this going triple Red Bull, going triple McLaren does run the risk of DNF hurting me like doubly. And that's actually exactly what happened way back in Saudi Arabia uh, around Jeddah. I went triple, uh, triple Aston Martin, triple um Triple S and Triple Red Bull, and it's a, in, in many ways similar track, although a lot more high speed around Jeddah. Um, but it's still like one of those tight street circuits where you expect DNFs. And I was bold enough to go for the triple up on on Aston Martin then, and Lance Stroll did in fact DNF and hurt me pretty bad. So if I get a DNF, it's going to hurt pretty bad again. But I think in terms of maximizing points, this is pretty much the best I can do. Um, like I say, potentially Fernando Alonso is still some food for thought for me. Um, but yeah, I do think that just maximizing the budget, um, just trusting the McLarens and then maybe just hiding behind the sofa and then coming out at the end of the race and hoping that none of my drivers are DNF'd and everything's fine. That's kind of what I'm looking for. 
and <laughs> I would totally run the the 3x McLaren budget if I if I had the money for it too. So I I totally agree with the the approach you're taking there. And it's a week in and week out question that folks have. If I get too far away from McLaren, they catch some price increases, then I can't afford them moving forward. If I run 3x McLaren every week, I have overexposure to a driver if he DNFs. And and it's just something we all jockey with week in and week out. I think I'm 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 away from running this, but rest assured, if I can afford it, I'll be right there with you moving forward too. So if you're just 0. 0.3 or so you're 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.4 off my current the team I got on screen there, is that right? Yeah. So would you consider dropping Sonoda down to uh, a cheaper budget option in order to afford the triple McLaren? I'm so scared of those rookies, and then I'm, <laughs> I'm so anti-Hulkenberg this year. I was going to say, not, you could go with Hulkenberg. He's so wonderful <laughs> on track, but in fantasy, he's, he's such a killer. I'll, mm. I'll have to ponder yeah. over it. That's a good segue into Saturday's live show. Tom and I have the rest of the week to waffle over what our lineups are going to be. And right here on our live show, one hour before qualifying on Saturday, we're going to give you our last lineup locks talk about our chips if we're going to use them, give you a hint, I'm using no negative. And then we're going to take all of your questions on your lineups. So this show worked really, really well for us at Monza. We had over 100 users all at once on the show asking us questions. We had some really great dialogue with you. And during that show, we're going to announce the winner of this raffle that you see on the right-hand side of your screen. So we're so excited to team up with Fifth Gear Garms. They'll be presenting this show from here on out, and we have a really great prize to celebrate our new relationship with them. So if you go to FanApp, download the app in the link below, head over to the Fantasy Formula base, and answer the question, are you using a chip this week? You get two prizes. One is $50 toward the really great F1 merch on fifthgeargarms.com, and you get the chance to rename either my team or Rob's team, whichever one performs the worst at Singapore this week. So really great prize for everybody. We'll drop a reminder in our live show on Saturday, and then we'll pick that winner live on the show too. So I hope you all get a chance to uh, enter for a chance to win. And then before we go, just wanted to remind everybody that we are now available everywhere that you get your podcasts. So check us out on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And starting with Suzuka next week, Rob and I are going to read one five-star review from you, the fans, in front of everybody on our show. So head over to those platforms, drop us a review, and you can find yourself featured on the show. That's all for this week. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. I learned a lot from chatting with you today. And I can't wait to see you on Saturday. We're going to have another great show together. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me on here. Like I said, it's been something I've been looking forward to ever since I got the invite. Like, yep, I'm up for this. It sounds it sounds like good fun, and it has been good fun. And like you say, the fun doesn't stop because I'll be back for the live stream this weekend, locking in those teams with, you know, if you see my, my deadline streams in the past, I get quite stressed out, and I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> trying to keep up with the chat and then trying to also monitor my own team it gets it gets pretty chaotic but should be good fun as well so yeah looking forward to that thank you for having me on thanks tom and thanks to all of you for watching we'll see you on saturday <laughs>